This is News Talk 980 CKNW. Well, there is finally some sunshine outside the windows. We're sitting at about 11 degrees. And as I mentioned, if you have any gardening questions, this is the half hour where we will get them answered. Joining me on the line is Wim Vanderzam, who is the owner of ArtNap. Wim, great to talk to you this morning. Hi, Jill. Pleasure to be with you. I think people have been, I mean, it's, it felt like November yesterday. So if people were planning on doing gardening outside yesterday, did not feel like the good day. Uh, has the weather, uh, has it caused any problems for you as far as, or for your, for your customers and people as far as uh, what we should be doing as far as gardening this time of year? Well, yeah, it's, but I, I, I'd say that it's felt like November since last October. <laughs> I've been so sad, and particularly if you're a gardener, because you want to get outside, and you once in a while anyway. Lots of devastation this year with all the prolonged cold we had with um, dead plants throughout the yard, so a lot of people will probably be replacing things. Um, there's a lot of marginals that we grow because we're able to grow, but one in 10 years, we get this really, really cold one that sort of takes a lot of stuff out. Um, yeah, we're really behind schedule, uh, weather-wise, uh, temperature-wise, we're probably a month behind, uh, at least, um, where things should be. Um, and, and unfortunately for garden centers, um, you know, it's all gonna happen at once. People start gardening in April normally, but it's gonna be starting in May this year, so everything's gonna be con- condensed into the shorter window. And, uh, yeah, garden centers are going to be really busy, so maybe brace for that if you're going to go to a garden center in the next month. Uh, so let's start. So if somebody does, if they're looking out at, at the, we'll start with a flower garden. And like you said, there there are some plants that didn't make it through the cold. So if somebody is now assessing uh, what perhaps has died, they need to get rid of, at what point did she, should they be at right now as far as replacing and really getting at that garden? You know, great question, because, you know, sometimes you just don't know. Um, a plant can take a really bad uh, hit from cold and uh, it might look like it's dead and then all of a sudden, you know, the odds sprout from down low and it sort of will start to redevelop itself over time. So you'd hate to give up on something too soon. And then there's the uh, the opposite of that where a plant actually does leaf out and you say, oh, look, it, it actually survived the winter. It's okay. But it was only some life in the cambium layer that help to sort of force some new growth out. And then uh, the cells are pretty much dead and the plant will die. And then uh, you'll say, what, what, what happened there? It was already dead. It just had a little life in the cambium layer that was able to shoot up a little bit more growth until it just has to fail. Uh, at what point do you, do you, do you rip them out? Um, you know, if by mid-May, if something that is traditionally out in October has not sort of sent out any growth, then it's pretty much done and you're going to have to replace it or eliminate that one anyway. And it's going to be May 1st tomorrow. So wait till about mid-May just in case the weather is is still, we don't want to, would hate to replace something and then have it not take. Well, you know, Mother Nature is in charge. So, you know, we haven't had any real warm temperatures or even like prolonged, you know, relatively warm temperatures for, for plants to really sort of start to develop and leaf out. Um, in many cases anyway. So, uh, you know, you, you, you're better off waiting till mid-May just to ensure that the plant isn't dead. And like I say, sometimes there's, you know, it's the majority of the plant is dead, the top part is dead, but it has life lower down where there was a little protection and may actually come back. So 
it is better to wait and see rather than pull it out and think that, you know, maybe there was some life there. All right. Uh, I wanted to let listeners know we're going to open up the phone lines. If you have a gardening question uh, for Wim, uh, you can call us now, star 9898 on your cell phone, 604-280-9898 and 1-877-399-9898 is a free call uh, for you. Uh, as far as vegetable gardens, Wim, I know people start things often inside and, and the rule of thumb has always kind of been the May long weekend, but has that changed to this year because of the weather? Well, you know, vegetable gardening is, is something unique because there's some things that you, you don't want to put out too early. Like your tomatoes you put out too early, they're just going to get chilled and not really be happy and not really grow and, and, and probably not worth, worthwhile uh, putting out too early. But now we're getting to a point where that's okay. But but the coal crops, so things like your uh, your cabbage and cauliflower and, ca- and yeah, kale and broccoli and all those they're actually cool, loving plants. So if you wait too long to plant them, in fact, they should they should have been in by now, then you can plant them when it warms up. But if it starts to warm up too fast, a cold crop could bolt, what's known as bolting, um, and will produce a seed head rather than a, a head or a crop. So there's a lot of things that should be in or should have been started inside, um, and then there's a lot of things that you maybe shouldn't. So, you know, take advantage of your local nursery and garden center. They have all the knowledge as to what should go in when, but there is definitely things that should be in, and uh, a lot of things that definitely should be sown inside right now if you haven't to. All right, uh, let's go to the phone lines. And Eileen is calling, and Eileen, you have a question about lilac trees. They're not blooming. The one has a few blooms on it, Madame Lemoyne, and the other one is the purple one, and it's about six and a half feet tall. There's just one tiny little bloom on it. Why would it not bloom? (laughs) Wim, any ideas why the lilac trees wouldn't be blooming? Oh, and we've lost Wim. Wim has uh, dropped off the... um, We'll get Wim back on... Uh, the line, and uh, he can answer that question. Hopefully, he heard you uh, asking about the lilac tree. So we will get uh, Wim back on the phone line if I can get my the attention of. We need to <laughs> we need to get Wim back on the line. We can't get the questions answered uh, by Wim if he's not there. Uh, so keep uh, calling in with your questions. Uh, we will just uh, get uh, the connection back. Wim Vanderzam is the owner of ArtNap, and he is joining us uh, to talk about the. Garden questions that you have. If you have anything on your mind, be it a flower garden or uh, be it a vegetable garden, uh, I myself uh, have things growing inside. A little worried, though, with the cold weather on when I can actually put them back outside and... uh, get them growing in the ground because of that. And as Wim mentioned, if you have plants in your flower garden that you think are dead and they're goners, don't be too quick to dig them up because there could still be a bit of life there. And he was saying, wait until mid-May before we actually, uh, well, before we really uh, dig those up. So I think we have Wim back on the line. Wim, sorry about that. No worries, no worries. Uh, All right, so Eileen is still on the line as well. And Eileen has a question about lilac trees. She has a six and a half foot lilac tree. It's not blooming. Oh, you know what? First of all, lilacs have to have a lot of sun. So if you don't get a full day of sun in your lilac, you're already sort of jeopardizing blossoming. But one thing that um, is very important with lilacs that a lot of people don't know, a mature lilac requires 5 to 10 pounds of lime, of dolomite lime, annually. They're alkaline-loving plants, and we are very acidic uh, soil in our region. And so, um, you know, the very first thing and the most important thing to do every year is to add five to ten pounds of lime for success. That will help you help the plant thrive as it should and set flower bud. And would this be spring or fall for the lime? Because I did put some down in the fall. Okay, I mean, it doesn't really matter when you do it. 
uh, just do it annually. That's the most important thing. So, so that doesn't matter when, just, um, just five to 10 pounds annually and you're good. And just sort of scratch it all around the surface, the soil surface around the lilac. And just scratch it with a rake and you're good. Okay, a dollar pearl, and can I do it now? And you can do it right now if you want, yeah. Okay, and dollar pearl is fine? And dollar pearl is fine. Okay. Yeah. Dollar pearl is a nice, um, it's a lime that is actually prilled into pellets, so it's made into pellets, but it's actually soluble, so it works very, very quickly, so that would probably be the best. Thank you. All right, uh, Eileen, thanks uh, for the phone call. Uh, if you're uh, wanting to get through on the phone lines, you can do that, star 9898 on your cell phone, 604-280-9898 and 1-877-399-9898. The buzz line, if you were looking for that number, is 604-331-BUZZ. Uh, let's check in with Bob. Has a question about your lawn. Bob. Hi there. Hi. I win. Um, last May, I put in a, a brand-new sod front lawn, tall fescue, because it was grub-resistant. Right. And all through spring and summer and fall, I had the envy of the neighborhood, the most beautiful green lawn. Okay. But then after the snow melted, it is 98% flat, brown, and it just hasn't come back. And the garden center um, suggested I put in a triple 18 fertilizer on top. It still hasn't come back. Uh, interesting because the fescues are very hardy lawns and, you know, the chafer beetle has been just, I mean, nasty with regards to sort of, uh, destroying lawns and, and, and the damage from the resulting damage from the raccoons and crows. Um, you know, the, and we're almost at that time again now where the adult female is going to come out of the soil and start to mate in trees and then, um, you know, start the whole process, the annual process over again. The fescues that you use are the right thing as a resistant um, lawn to the the chafer beetle because it grows so dense and thick that the female has to get or she can't get to the soil of the lawn to lay her eggs and she can't just drop her eggs on on the lawn they have to get into soil so um, with your lawn uh, why it had such dieback is interesting sometimes excess moisture poor drainage will cause lots of problems what I would suggest you do is Give a good stiff raking to it. Give it some food. The roots should still be alive. We haven't had enough heat to really um, force our lawn to grow too much, although it should have by now. Uh, but get some food to it and then uh, give it another, well, hopefully with some sunshine this week, uh, another week or two. And if still nothing, you might have to overseed. Okay. Thank you. All right, uh, Bob, thanks uh, for that uh, phone call. We'll take a short break. Uh, Wim Vanderzam is going to stick with us. He is answering your gardening questions this morning. So you can give us a call, star 9898 on your cell, 604-280-9898 and 1-877-399-9898 is a free call for you. We will continue with your gardening questions when we return. If you have a gardening question, now is the time to give us a call. We have Wim Vandersam with ArtNap on the line to answer your questions. It has been a colder year. We are a bit behind schedule, but he can answer whatever questions that you have, be it flower gardens, vegetable gardens. And Wim, I think you may have answered this question as well. We had a listener write in saying to ask you about the chafer beetle, but I think you did explain that. But if someone has damage to their lawn from chafer beetles, is there anything at this time of year they should be doing? Well, a big, a big um, re- help, helpful um, opportunity to prevent chafer beetle is to have a good, healthy lawn. Because as I mentioned, your lawn, then she'll just go to the neighbor's lawn. So keeping your lawn in tip-top shape is a, a really good way to help prevent the problem. Um, you know, a lot of people's lawns are ripped up. The crows come in and just tear out 
just chunks of lawn and, and looks like your lawn has been rototilled. Um, and, you know, you can pack that back down, add a little fresh layer of soil and overseed with some fresh grass seed. But I, I developed this, um, this, uh, lawn seed mix and it is a chafer beetle resistant mix. It's seven blends of fescues that, um, kind of work in harmony to develop a really tight root system, a, a tight weave root system, and also a, um, it's a real thick, uh, real thick, lush, full lawn that, again, that the chafer beetle female just can't penetrate through to lay her eggs. So that is a great way to help out. So good fertilizer on your lawn to help make sure that your lawn is in great shape by June because she lays, lays her eggs in June. She's coming out of the ground soon. Uh, they're coming out of the ground soon. They'll be up in trees mating, and then she lays her eggs in June. And a month later, that's when we control them with um, uh, the most common means is nematodes. It's a natural way to eliminate the infant larvae. So uh, that's done in sort of the beginning of July. So not too much you can do against the, the chafer beetle now other than sort of just get your lawn in uh, in better repair so that uh, maybe she won't lay her eggs in your lawn come June. All right, uh, good advice. Uh, let's go to Marianne who has a question about uh, a tree with moss. Hi, Marianne. Oh, hi, Wim. Uh, Dawn's mother-in-law here. <laughs> anyway, um, I have this very old um, azalea bush it's quite large, but it has moss. It has had moss for the last five or six years, and I just wonder how to get rid of it. There's, there's quite a number of plants in the yard that actually can have moss growing on them, and it's not a detriment to the plant, or wouldn't be a detriment to the plant at all. But it does. It doesn't necessarily look really, you know, pleasant. Um, but it's not doing any harm. If you want to get rid of it, uh, you, there is a, a natural spray, sulfur spray, that will control um, moss, but. Really, you can just take some, you know, get some good heavy gloves and just sort of rub your hands along the stems and sort of just rub it off. And that is a good way to eliminate it very quick and easily. But this is almost like a growth on there. It's really... So you probably have lichens. So lichens is a form of, let's call it a form of moss, um, and, and it, it can be eliminated the same way. Okay. So it's, it's handled in the same way. It okay. is a growth, you're right, it is a growth like moss, but it's sometimes more grayish and blackish and, yeah, and yeah. gnarly. Yeah, and it isn't blooming as well as it was either. You know, it's well, quite sparse. You know, a lot of plants do age, and over time they become tired. So, um, you know, and that's not uh, uncommon of azaleas, too, if it's a really old azalea. Mm-hmm. Um, this year you might want to give it a good granular fertilizer and then shear it back after it will after when it normally blooms or when it is going to uh, when it does finish blooming okay uh, shear it back so it flushes out some new growth it kind of rejuvenates the plant uh sends out fresh growth that will have you know the blooms on it for the following year but a you know a good fertilizer too and a good mulching too you know we don't put enough uh fresh earth or mulch around our plants and and they're already growing in what is you know construction fill or clay or hard pan and um, adding some fresh oil, soil on top of them is a good way to sort of uh, protect the roots, to help them grow more roots because they can grow roots into fresh earth and also keep them um, from, say, the drought of summer. It'll sort of insulate them that way too. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what about bark? Is a good idea. What about bark mulch? Yeah, bark mulch is good too. Yeah. Okay. In principle, it won't necessarily grow roots into that, but it does help to uh, prevent the plant from drying out in summer. It gives it a little extra protection in winter from the cold. So definitely worthwhile, either way. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, uh, thanks, Marianne, for the phone call. Uh, Erica is on the line, and Erica has a question about a banana tree. No. Oh, 
Oh, all right. What is your question? Uh, no, <laughs> I, uh, just an observation. My potted roses, especially the potted roses, are doing very badly because of the, the excess rain we've had. And um, But the hostas are huge. I gave them a little bit 686, and they're just huge. They're double the size than they would be at this time of the year because they love the rain. And regarding the lilac tree that Eileen phoned in, uh, I had an observation last winter when it was really, really cold. We saw harvest mice go up and eat the flower buds off, and that's, we have very few lilac uh, blooms now too. Yeah, that can happen. I, I'm worried about your rose bushes, though. If you're growing them in pots, they really can't, um, they wouldn't do well through a really hard, cold, prolonged cold winter like we've had. So, you know, you might have a lot of dieback. I would prune them back very hard. Okay. A lot of, you know, with roses, it's funny, Jill, you know, um, everyone's always scared to prune because they don't want to hurt the plant, right? <laughs> yes. But with rose bushes, one of the most important things is to prune them back good and hard. You prune your rose bushes back to like 12 inches. Oh. So, almost down to nothing, uh, right from, you start right from scratch every year. And that's the way you prolong the life of your rose bush. But not only that, that's the way you get the most amount of blooms by pruning so much off. So something to keep in mind that people um, don't always uh, do uh, thoroughly enough with their rose bushes. Okay, thank you. All right. Uh, thanks, Erica. And Michelle is on the line. Uh, Michelle, your question. Uh, regarding an evergreen clematis, it looks very poorly after the winter that we had, and we don't know if it might come back or if we should just remove it. You know, it'll probably come back. You, you'll probably lose some of its height, um, but down further closer to the ground, you'll probably see a lot of new growth starting, if not now, very soon. Um, after a hard winter like that, where plants have suffered, um, they are in a state of sort of distress. And just like you and I, you know, the, some, some proper food, um, so a little bit of proper maintenance, some good well, pruning to them, um, will help to sort of bring them back into shape and hopefully force enough new growth to develop that new plant. But a lot of that, um, the, the uh, evergreen clematis will, have, will die back because it doesn't like the cold that we experience for sure. Okay, thank you very much. All right, thanks. Good uh, luck. F- thanks for that call. Uh, if you have a question for Wim Vanderzam, uh, the owner of uh, ArtNap, we have a few more moments. You can give uh, the lines a call if you have any ki- type of gardening uh, question. Star nine eight nine eight on your cell phone six zero four two eight zero nine eight nine eight and one eight seven seven three nine nine ninety eight ninety eight is a free call for you. Uh, on the email, Wim, I have a question about fruit trees, uh, and this listener writes: I have several fruit trees in my front yard. Uh, they are in dire need of pruning but they are now covered in blossoms and I'm wondering if I've left it too late should I leave them until next year or is there anything I can do you know you can still do pruning on your fruit trees it's amazing how many you know how often you can actually prune your fruit trees I sometimes do it in summer I'll sometimes do it in the in the dead of winter I uh, pruned my plum tree this year when it was starting to actually um, bud out so it was just prior to flowering Um, you know you're better off doing a little bit of pruning to it now and then sort of strategically plan for maybe a heavier pruning either come this summer or um, even better yet next winter. Uh, so so don't, don't be afraid to do a little bit of pruning because sometimes they have so, so much growth on them that the tree can't even handle the amount of, of uh, blossoming and then fruiting that uh, could occur by leaving all of that growth on. All right. Uh, good for that. Uh, we do have some more people uh, calling in. Uh, just before we get to them, one other uh, question via the email. Oh, this is an interesting one. Uh, I enjoy the medicinal qualities of things like ginger and turmeric root. Uh, any way to grow those uh, in this climate? We can grow a lot of medicinal herbs. Um, in fact, we're sort of um, all of our stores and, and garden centers in general are, are coming up with um, 
their own, you know, getting whatever they can because it is becoming a, a trend. There are some things that you can't really grow uh, that you won't have success with in our region. Um, but whatever you find on the shelf at, a lo- at your local garden center will be you know, obviously acceptable. Um, but, yeah, you're going to find that there's some things that you would like to grow but can't. All right. Uh, let's try and get at least uh, one more caller in. I think this is, uh, is this Marlene? Hi, Marlene. Oh, maybe not. Uh, maybe not, Marlene. Uh, what about, uh, do we have, no? Nope. Is that Marlene? Who do we have on the line here? She went back out to the garden. <laughs> she did. <laughs> All right. Do you have a question for Wim? He's there. I can hear someone there. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll try and get that uh, person back on the line. Uh, vegetable gardens, like you said, I, people are trying. It seems like people are trying to to, to do even more exotic things. Uh, like you said, there are some things we we simply can't. Uh, but uh, uh, I mean, jalapenos. I grow jalapenos, tomatillos every year. I have my salsa garden. Uh, any advice for people for planting things that are generally more adapt for hot climates? Well, there is so many. There's so many things now that uh, we can grow and. Uh, from seed, like if if you go with West Coast seeds, we carry a line that is a uh, carries a lot of unique varieties and um, specialty varieties. Uh, from seed, you can, but you know, there's uh, grow what you're going to eat, and and particularly when it comes to herbs, what herbs do you use the most of, and uh, that's the ones you should be growing for the most part. Um, there's no reason why you can't grow in planters, but always remember that the bigger the planter or the bigger the container, probably the better the results. You don't want a pet on your patio. If you want to go away for a weekend, you want to make sure it was has enough space, soil space to uh, uh, hold enough moisture to keep the plants alive while you're away. And that's better for vegetables and, and herbs in general that they don't stress out. They lose some flavor when they start to stress out. If, if the herb goes dry, it kind of takes away from some of the intensity of the flavor. So, so maintenance is important. But boy, so many people, you know, with small patios and small condos. They're growing in containers and having great success. And many things, like a tomato plant, will do awesome in a in a container. So, so don't be scared if you don't have sort of a plot of ground. You can still have success just on your patio. All right. Uh, when we only have twenty seconds left, there are people that didn't get through. Uh, where can they physically come see you, or if they want to shoot you an email? I'm off to my store right now. It's uh, I'm I'm at the um, Art Nap in Port Coquitlam, thirteen hundred Dominion Dominion Avenue. And by all means, uh, stop in. I'll be working, uh, just answering questions all day. All right. Sounds good, Wim. Thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jill. Always a pleasure talking to you. All right. That is Wim Vanderzam. He is uh, with ArtNap. He's the owner. He's off to the Port Coquitlam store right now. That is all the time we have today. I'm sorry if you didn't get through on the open line. You can go see Wim. You can send him an email as well if you have a question. He's very good at getting back to people. Uh, Tim French at the controls this morning. Ben Dooley produces this program. We are flat out of time. Have a great rest of your day. I'll be with you again next weekend. Vancouver's News. Vancouver's Talk. This is News Talk 980 CKNW.